Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Love and Flow podcast. Today, we are going to be talking about the sex talk we need to have. Um, and this is something really close to Sally's heart, so it's going to mm-hmm. be me kind of interviewing her, um, picking her brain. But, you know, Sally, like, why this topic? Yeah, I mean, a big thing is, like, as you said, it's very close to my heart when we talk about sex because you know, being South Asian female, like we kind of grow up in this culture of shame and guilt and we don't, it's such a taboo topic. Um, but sex requires exploratory dialogue, right? So that's why it's like very close. Cause it's such a, for those who are, um, in like a sexual relationship, like it is such a big part of the relationship. And I think a big kind of disconnect that like why we're also talking about this topic is when we hear about sex and people are talking about sex, it's very much about the act of sex right or when we talk about the sex talk we never had like I said um a big thing is we've talked about this we never got it as South Asians yeah thank god because I don't know if I could have ever looked my parents in the eye and had (laughs) this birds and bees that's what it's called sex talk um but even that conversation that we never had um in school the things that we hear about they're all about the act of the act of, of sex yeah but not necessarily about everything that happens before sex, which is all the exploratory dialogue and how important that dialogue is and opening up conversations for sex, right? Especially in the South Asian culture, like we see this whole kind of um, like culture of, you know, those who are in relationships or married or in a sexual relationship are having sex, but not comfortable talking about sex. Mm. And so that's where I, I really just wanted to kind of explore how important dialogue is and where those conversations are really going like today. Got it. And so like where these conversations are going, like are, are they shifting? Are we talking about different things? Yeah. I mean, I think the first thing is they're definitely shifting in terms of who's talking about it. And that's what I'm really, really excited about. So part of it is, so like I said, sex is very heavily rooted in shame and guilt when it comes to South Asian culture right? We don't talk about it. We don't want to talk about it. It's not seen as something to ever talk about. Um, So it's something that we had to kind of, especially like children of immigrants, we had to figure it out ourselves. Um, One thing before Mm -hmm. is if it's very, I think we take it for granted, like we understand why it's rooted in shame and guilt. Mm -hmm. But for somebody who's like, oh my God, yeah, maybe. Like why? Why is it rooted? in? Like how did we get to where we are now? with that mm, I see what you're saying like why is why is there shame and guilt around this so I don't know if I have the right answer but I'll, I'll tell you my thoughts about it I've read this before and I'm sure it's similar mm-hmm. is from what I've heard and read is that India was and like other South Asian I mean I can't speak about other South Asian cultures I, I will say that mm-hmm. I can only speak about like the history of India yeah, yeah. but I know with India it was a very it was more of a liberal country Right, it was very progressive, but after the British rule, they brought that whole culture of shame around sex. Yeah. Right. So they brought their ideals, their values, and brought it to India. They ruled over India with those ideals for a very long time, mm. right? And then as the world evolved, India didn't move past those ideals. Got it. Right. So then now we're heavily pushing past all that. Right. We're trying to catch up to 2021, really. But it took India much longer. But we see that as it's India. 
but it stems from British rule. It's yeah. What I've read and really the assumption that I can make, because what I've heard is that India was pretty progressive before. Yeah. Uh, but just even enough to say that it's not anyone's fault. You yeah, know? of yeah. course. It's yeah. not that it's anyone's fault. That's just where it stems from. Yeah. It's not that it's their fault because that was at the time. That's what it was. Yeah. It was just that that's where it's stemming from. Got it. Um, so it's just deeply ingrained to not talk about it. Right. It's mm-hmm. like women should be seen as pure, but also sex is seen as more procreation related, not yeah. pleasure related. So there's just a lot of shame and like asking for pleasure. And yeah. asking for anything beyond, like, oh, we're having sex to have children. Yeah, got it. And so now you kind of mentioned that uh, now more people get, are talking about this. Yeah, so recently what I've seen, kind of that big shift, is let's say even five years ago, I think I'm aging myself when I'm t- trying to figure out when Instagram became a thing. That's okay, um, my hair's falling out. It's fine. It's like, we're on the same page. So I think, like, five years ago when we were, like, 22, 23, right? Um. Instagram was still a thing, but at the time there weren't too many people talking about sex. What would really happen is if you were struggling with something in your sex life or you needed advice or help, you had to seek information from professionals, even on Instagram, right? It was like very rare, but when you found them, they were like sex educators or sex therapists that you had to go find. Mm -hmm. And what that could really do is for someone who's grown up in a culture of shame and guilt already... Mm -hmm. The fact that you had to seek it out and had to get, get to the point of a professional makes, can hinder that process, right? It makes you, it can exempt, what's the word I'm looking for? Exasperate. Um, exasperate the feelings of shame. Yeah. But the great shift I've seen now is kind of with Facebook groups, Instagram, now Clubhouse, is that it's the average South Asian women who are having these conversations. Right. I've been on Clubhouse. I've been in like a few of these rooms to listen. And it's awesome because I clicked on their profiles. They're just the everyday South Asian women who are like, we just want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Right. We want to talk about dating. We want to talk about relationships. We want to talk about sex um, and create these communities of no judgment. And what that really does is it's shifting it from I feel I have to feel some sort of shame because I'm reaching out to a professional um, versus there's a lot of women who have very similar stories, not the same, but very similar because I've heard similar stories to mine, um, in these groups. So I think that's how I've seen the conversation shift. It's not necessarily what we talk about or what is being talked about it, but it's the shift in who's having these conversations. Cool. And like, let's say someone wants to get into these conversations, like how would you advise them to jump in like clubhouse of where, like. Or how do they find the people that are talking about this? Yeah, so it's interesting because I brought up Instagram, but what I noticed is Instagram is not the place to go because all these people that I have found on Clubhouse, when I've gone back to their Instagram, they actually don't talk about it on Instagram. Um, because, And I think a lot of that is because that's not their career path. That's like not their focus, right? That's not what they're trying to push. They're just trying to build a community. So I would definitely say Clubhouse is like number one mm-hmm. because it's new. All these people are really taking advantage of it to have these conversations. Um, in terms of where on Clubhouse, I'm not the be- I'm not an expert in Clubhouse, but I would say try to just like go to the clubs and just type in South Asian, and you'll get a bunch of like related clubs. Got it. And honestly, most of these clubs that are just general South Asian clubs, whether it's like by gender or like 
just a general South Asian culture club, yeah. they're all talking about it. Got it. So just kind of join them and start following a bunch of people. You'll start seeing in profiles who is talking about what, ta- what type yeah. of topics. Um, so that's key. And I think the other is Facebook groups. Facebook groups, I think, is a little bit different. Facebook groups are not necessarily trying to destigmatize sex. They're just trying to show you that there's other people because people are posting about their struggle. Got it. So it's a different type of conversation. So if you're really struggling and you want to not read about other people's struggle, that sounds weird. But like, you know, you're like, I'm not alone, but maybe there's a story similar to mine and they had, they got advice in these Facebook groups. I would say Facebook groups. Got it. If you're just trying to be a part of the conversation or like listen on how people are talking about sex, that's Clubhouse. That's awesome. Cool. So like now that we are having these conversations, like what's the next step? Like somebody who is moderating Clubhouse, like Mm -hmm. what more work do they have to do or how can they help the community more? Yeah. So I love this question because the next stage, at least in my mind, is the most fun. Um, So stage one is definitely destigmatizing, right? That's where we're at right now. Um, we've seen it with mental health where it was before, um, for mental health, you kind of had to seek a professional because it was such a taboo topic. We didn't talk about it in South Asian culture. You really had to go, um, like professionals, right. Mm -hmm. For resources. And now there's a lot of clubhouse rooms, Facebook groups, like everyone's talking about it to destigmatize it. And you know, it's, everyone wants to talk about it because it is something that's affecting a lot of people and to show that it's nothing to be ashamed of, right. To seek help for that. And I think that is kind of where sex is at right now. It's destigmatizing it. It's bringing it from professionals to the everyday person talking about it and talking about their journeys and struggles. Mm-hmm. So in terms of clubhouse and moderators, it's I, I think one thing that they're going to struggle with, which I want to get into a little bit later because this would take me on a side tangent, but it's about judgment, mm-hmm. right? Like destigmatizing and judgment will come hand in hand, right? It's this idea of we can say let's have this conversation to de- like just about sex cuz it's fun. Yeah. But no judgment. It's easy to say no judgment. But it's hard to moderate judgment to a certain yeah. degree, right? And we feel it heavily. Right? Because we see it in Facebook groups all the time. Um when I say Facebook groups because in the South Asian like female focused Facebook groups I'm in, people post anonymously about sex struggles. Mm-hmm. And I 100% understand that. Right. Because a big part of it to stay anonymous is not just judgment, but we're somehow a very large community, but very small at the same time. Right. In this group, I have over 80 mutual friends, half of which are your family. Yeah. And that's like and I'm not saying anyone in your family would ever judge. If I posted not anonymously, I 100 percent don't doubt that I would be judged. But I it's still like in my it's ingrained in me that I'm like, oh, I've asked about my sex life with Ruby. Now I have to go to a wedding and look at all these cousins in the eyes yeah. who know about my sex life with yeah. Ruby. Yeah. And that's like, you know, where mm. I think the struggle will come in. But it's like mental health. You just have to keep pushing forward. Yeah. Right? You just have to keep pushing forward to destigmatize the conversation. Got now the fun phase, which is the next phase, I think, is t- leveling up from the conversation of this is the sex talk we need to have in order to destigmatize and show that we need to have these, like, we can have these conversations, right? Yeah. But the de- a lot of the destigmatizing de- it comes from just showing that everyone's going through, like, similar struggles. Yeah. But I want to take it to the next level of phase two, as I call it now. Nice. And that is exploratory dialogue. Okay. 
that is the phase where you talk about how to gain pleasure, right? So you have to first destigmatize a conversation, but the next step is actually asking about pleasure. Yeah. And I love that topic, right? Because (laughs) I mean, (laughs) it's a fun topic. Yeah. And it's interesting because I think the misconception about talking about that next phase is still like, oh, well, there's a lot of resources on the act of sex. Yeah. And I'm not talking about the act of sex. I'm still talking about being able to have that conversation and ask for, like, pleasure, which are two different things. So what do you mean by ask for pleasure? So it's a lot of it's like when you look at these resources about, like, sex. When I say the act of sex, they're literally like, this is how you can, like, pleasure your man or your woman or whoever your partner is, mm-hmm. right? But I'm saying... I don't necessarily, I'm not talking about reading an article on how the anatomy to figure out how to pleasure someone. Yeah. I'm talking about how can I have this conversation with you? And people yeah. don't talk about that. Got it. So, like, the ideal is that we're in a clubhouse together talking about how we can have more exploratory language with our partners and with, with, with ourselves? Yes. So... Let me clarify that because I realized the confusion there. Yeah, I was like, are you going to talk to a moderator that give me pleasure? No. Yeah. I mean, like, right now, all the resources out there are, are about, again, the act of sex, right? Yeah. I have to Google, like, not Google, but, like, I would ask, you know, something about your pleasure, how to pleasure you more. Yeah. But what I really want to get to is having converse, or being able to figure out and providing resources on how do you have that conversation with your own partner mm-hmm. and with yourself, yeah. right? Because there's... There's a, I don't even want to get into the shame around self-pleasure in South Asian yeah. culture. Yeah. But once we destigmatize, it's like, okay, you're struggling. But for the people who aren't struggling, now the question is, do I just ask for better sex? Yeah. Because you can't. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, a lot of people would just be like, try these things, right? But I want to really get into the nuances of sex is a very, very triggering topic. Even once you destigmatize it, it's heavily linked to your own pride and ego. Yeah. Right? For and all parties involved. For all parties, not just like one or the other, but yeah. for everybody involved. Mm-hmm. Sex is a very, it's very fragile on the ego and pride. Yeah. So I want to take it from, okay, you're struggling and here's how to do it, to you might just have a fun, you're not struggling in your sex life, but now I'm sitting here and I'm like, I want to try this crazy, unconventional fantasy. Yeah. How do I ask my partner for that exactly? Got it. Right, because that's like... And t- right now, it seems like you could... It's only alone. Like, you could... You only have yourself to try to figure this out, right? Exactly. Because people aren't really talking about that, right? They would talk about, if you want this fantasy, how do you do it? And that's the physical act of doing it. Yeah. But not... Like, so for BDSM, it's not, how do you have that conversation? It's, if you're trying BDSM, here's what to try. Yeah. You know? So I really want to talk about the importance of exploratory dialogue, but how to do it the right way. Yeah. There's very many wrong ways to approach exploratory dialogue. And that's, I think, like the next fun phase. Yeah, and it seems like Clubhouse is like putting rocket fuel behind your research, right? Because yeah. you're going to have a million stories and where they worked and where they don't. And instead of having a million Google posts, which can be very interesting if your partner walks in like you know <laughs> yeah. you know, a lot of, uh, but you know it seems like clubhouse and having these conversations are actually the best way to get these answers yeah um and if you don't mind i like really want to cut in and yeah. just like 
15 minutes. I'm really hoping like any guy that's listening to this podcast doesn't jump off because it seems like the misconception is this is a problem for the women, right? A hundred percent, no. And like just from a guy's perspective, I'm just like, no, we as men need to do this for each other. Like we need to one, drop the stigma, like, yeah, destigmatize this. Yeah, for everybody. Because it's just more effort helps you, like, once it's destigmatized, like, shoot, you don't know what's going to pop off in the bedroom yeah. and that's it's only good that's going to come from it. And you're right, like, once it's destigmatized and people are comfortable with it, which is already going to provide lots of return on investment <laughs> of your time and focus, yeah. uh, the next step is, you know, exploring more. And, you know, most people love sex for the exploratory part of it. Yeah. So it's kind of like my call to action for all the guys, like, get involved, either talk to your partner um, and help them along this journey because they definitely are facing little things here and there. Yeah. Or tell them, like, hey, like, there's clubhouses and, like, you know, there's, we need to join this movement because if you want to get laid more or better, this is a great way to do it. Yeah, I mean, I'm so glad you cut in with that because, yes, I want to make it clear, like, sex being rooted with shame and guilt is 100% like an everyone issue yeah i didn't want to say it's just for the women but like what you're talking about is going to be focused for the women because guys have their own toxic masculinity um but i don't want them to just be like oh this is not about like toxic masculinity and guys issues so i'm gonna like listen to another podcast like this was just as important yeah i mean like i said sex is super close to my heart and this would take like a thousand episodes to ever go into what we want to talk about for everybody right which is why this is like for everybody. It's not specific to like, like women, men, non-binary, like any, like it's, it's everybody. Yeah. Right. This is just saying like, this is where we need to move forward with sex. Yeah. And then like, we have so much to talk about from different perspectives of who goes through what with South Asian cultures and stigma. Cause everybody is, they have, they have their own baggage when it comes to sex yeah. and the stigma that they grew up with. Right. It's very different. And um, no matter whose baggage you clean up, you have a lot to gain from it. Exactly. Um, Yeah, and of course, obviously, my perspective is a little bit more female-focused, but I'm glad you brought that up. It's about having that conversation together because, you know, I did a survey of um, South Asian... Well, this was, of course, like, a little biased because it's given my background of, like, being connected to South Asian women. So given South Asian women, um, a lot of the things I read about how culture affected their sex lives um, is very similar. It was, you know, we're not struggling, we're fine. But I never want to talk to him about, you know, what I want. Or there's a lot of guilt because I feel like I'm happy with my sex life, but I want to explore new things. But I feel like he would take that personally. Yeah. Right? Or we we never talked about it. Like, one that hit me really hard was also um, this woman who said, I... Like, I want to talk about sex, but I can't talk. I feel a lot of shame talking about it with my Desi friends, but I'm so happy I have other girlfriends to talk to. Yeah. Right? That sucks. Yeah. Yeah. So just kind of like taking that, that's where I see the exploratory dialogue is stage one is destigmatizing. And I want to imply that this isn't just for people who are struggling. Like, these women are like, I'm happy, but I want to explore. And I don't know how to do that without hurting my partner's feelings. And that's where, and it goes both ways. Yeah. Like the other way too, of course. Um, so that's where this is really going. Yeah. And I'm really excited. Like you have all these, um, you know, all these clubs and like Facebook groups talking about Mm -hmm. this, but 
you know, I, I don't know, for me, sometimes, like, when we all get together, like, things cannot go the way that mm -hmm. we planned. Um, or, like, you know, there's 95%, like, all good benefits, but that 5%, like, really again yeah. the way when there's a whole bunch of people coming together to talk about something mm -hmm. so like are there any risks when it comes to uh i guess this movement or you know us talking about the things that we need to talk about yeah um so there's like really two big ones that jump out at me one is kind of similar to what you just said which is when you kind of um jumped in right and you were like let me talk about like men too like this is this is for everybody right yeah. this conversation and I think that's where one of the potential risks is. Um, some of the rooms I'm in are everybody, but I've noticed that some of the sex ones or obviously with like Facebook groups, for example, they're very split by gender, mm -hmm. right? And that does a few things. One is, well, split by gender. You need everybody to be a part of the conversation to be able to move forward with the conversation, right? Because I can't claim to know what your what you grew up with and the stigmas that you grew up with around sex and you can't possibly know like what i grew up with like we could imagine right but not necessarily that the other is obviously like when they're when things are split by gender you know just coming into 2021 like it's it's, it's exclusive right yeah it's not inclusive of everybody that needs to be a part of that conversation and i'm not talking about by gender i'm talking everybody so that's one. Um, luckily, I haven't seen it too much on Clubhouse as much as I have in Facebook. Yeah. So that's like that's like one thing. But I can see as even some of the rooms I am in, though, that I've been in in Clubhouse that are gender specific, mm -hmm. they don't claim to be gender specific, but it's this whole networking effect, right? South Asian women who want to support South Asian women, who talk to South Asian women, who build a room of South Asian women, who only talk about the struggles of South Asian women, which... Again, I'm all for that, but you also have to have the conversations with everybody to move forward. You cannot segregate just South Asian women and destigmatize sex because we are not alone in these conversations. Like, what would happen if for the next two or three years it segregated these conversations? Like, yeah, so I'm glad you asked that because that moves to my next point of the danger I see, Got it. which is groupthink. Got it. Right. So groupthink, I've already seen it in a lot of these Facebook groups. Um, I haven't been on Clubhouse enough, <laughs> but I can only imagine it's groupthink because you're starting to form groups. Yeah. Right. But at least in Facebook groups, the way I see groupthink really play out and the dangers of it is because they're all South Asian women. Like we've all gone through like, you know, like people have gone through different levels of like experiences with someone of like the opposite gender or their partners, right? Mm -hmm. Or whoever their partner is. And when you bring everyone together and people post to ask for advice, right? About a certain part of their relationship. What I see is some of the comments are women who are genuinely trying to help, right? Like genuinely like, let me give you advice or like what I've gone through and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. A good majority I've noticed especially if it is a, what could be considered a triggering post about men. There's a good majority of women who jump on that. And I've seen, and these are not direct quotes, but obviously like compiling everything I've seen over yeah. the years is all men are trash. 
this is why I don't date Indian men. Somehow, like, Indian men are the only problem. Not that men are the problem, but, you know. Yeah. In my head, I'm like, girl, everyone's a problem. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, but I see, like, all men are trash. This is why I don't date Indian men. Fuck Indian men. Um, Like, leave him. You know, you got one of the bad. Like, basically, like, this seems like a bad one. But where are the good ones? But where are the good ones? Or No, it's the same women who say all men are trash, but where are the good ones? I'm like, I don't understand if you don't see the irony of your statement. <laughs> like, yeah. Anyway, um, that's a whole side tangent. But that, that's where I see group thing coming into play, right? It's easy to see that. It's easy to infer, especially about sex, that if we start segregating people into conversations, how imagine taking how many people get triggered in, about just relationships, add sex on top of that. And imagine how much we can cast blame on someone else. The end. What happens if you're just always casting blame? Well, one is, one, you're not taking ownership of your own responsibility. But two, the biggest thing is, how is this helping anybody? Like, it it plays into victimhood, right? Yeah. It's very like, oh, well, and I I see this as a problem even with sex, um, not just about another gender necessarily, but casting blame on society and culture. It's, it's what you said. That's why I'm glad you said like at the beginning, right? Yeah. Well, let's not call, like cast blame on British rule. And I say, yeah. there's no blame. It just stems from that. Yeah. It's not, right? Don't blame your parents. Like, no. yeah, I mean, a lot of them are trying their best. You yeah. Know? <laughs> like, it's like, it's more of an acknowledgement that it stems from something and it's acknowledging that this exists, but it's not saying it's your fault because what you what that term does is on I blame you or it's your fault is it allows your brain to just basically shut off problem solving right so that's where I think groupthink is really gonna is a danger of groupthink is it can push people to really jump on the bandwagon of blaming like whether it's of gender or it's society or like they're gonna blame someone yeah. really that's where groupthink goes and we know in history that groupthink never works out. Mm-hmm. It could work, but we also know the other extreme of yeah, groupthink. Yeah, there's thing. dangers. There's always dangers. Yeah. There's always, like, really good that can be done with groupthink and really bad that can be done with groupthink. Yeah. And that's why it's more of a cautionary tale. Yeah, and I think, uh, sorry, like, just to cut in, it might yeah. be a tangent, might not, but something that I know, like, you said, and I was like, this is amazing, like, this is really smart, is that I think Thank once you, you said, <laughs> once you said, like, you know, with this victimhood mentality or just us blaming and creating like a mm-hmm. men are the problem we're not like i think once you said that actually gets into the gets in the way of what you're already mm-hmm. trying to do right like we're in here to remove shame and explore things yeah i think once you said you know if we're blaming men we're not actually advancing why we're here in the first place yeah so yeah so there's two parts to that like, how does that work yeah. so one is I mean, you're just not focused on trying to find a solution at that point, Yeah. right? The thing is, it's part of that, you're not taking responsibility, right? If I'm saying I blame you for something, why would I try to figure out a solution? Because now you're the problem. You should be figuring out a solution. Mm-hmm. Got it, got it, yeah. Right, because you can't, like, it's your fault. Since you caused me harm, you figure out the solution. Got it. So, like, when you are blaming men, because, like, I want to focus on this because it's going to happen. Right? Yeah, and it's one hundred percent going to happen. I want people like Clubhouse or Facebook to be armed with like, yeah. okay, if so- someone tells me that men are trash, they're like cutting the legs out from under me, right? Yeah. Like, if I were to believe that, 
that makes sense. Yeah, because I'm like, you're not trying to figure out your own solution. Now you're just saying, well, they're trash. They should be fixing themselves so that we don't have this problem. Yeah, and like something else that I thought about was that a lot, the majority of these people want to have better sexual relationships yeah. with men. And those that do have bad experiences, unfortunately, like the, yeah. those who are really diving into victimhood are the most outspoken people. And then those who are listening in, like whether you like it or not, you're slowly getting brainwashed yeah, to, cause you see it. to kind of pull away from men, mm-hmm. right? Because they are the enemy. But it's like, wait, I joined this to have a better sexual relationship yeah. with men, right? Yeah. So, And it works both ways. I've seen it. Um, with like, you know, guy focused. Oh yeah, of course. And yeah. And I'm not here to claim like one way or another. I'm, it's my experience that I, in the female groups, this is what I've seen the other way. And I'm sure it happens the other way. Um, but it's the general concept of victimhood, right? It doesn't help anybody. Um, I had another thought about why victimhood doesn't help. And now I lost it. Um, but yeah, so essentially it cuts out the whole finding a solution, right? We're not moving forward. Mm-hmm. in finding a solution. So that's why I think it's, we need to have this conversation together because it's not going to help anybody if we cast blame mm-hmm. on the other person. Because it really doesn't create a judgment-free zone. Is that what? Yes, that is where I was going. That's amazing. Um, that's where I was going. It's my second point was one, the first was obviously victimhood removes your sense of responsibility and finding a solution. Yeah. Point two was it actually hinders this no judgment zone. Because one thing that I've um, that I've personally experienced is in these groups, I have never once posted. And yes, it's part of it's because your family's in it. Yeah. But the other half is I can post anonymously. That is an option. Yeah. But I never did. And a big part of that is because it's not the not it's not necessarily feeling judged as much, but with all of these knowing that people could jump on me and say you should leave him or like, this is a red flag, right? First of all, there, you'd be surprised what little things people say you should leave him for. Because I read these, I'm like, Ravi, I think you've done some of these. (laughs) And I'm sure I've done it opposite if like men are, you know, like writing about the other way. But I was like, the issue that I have with that is you are a stranger who is listening to a stranger story who has written one paragraph about their entire life. Where do you think you can give off advice like that? Because you don't know the full story. Yeah. Right? And so I have never posted because I have the sense of I am going to be judged for some of the things I say. Yeah. Because I can post something where I'm like, I'm not trying to leave you. You know? It's just a little struggle that I know that everyone goes through. Yeah. But it's I've seen less things that people say leave him. You know, how are you still in this relationship? Yeah. And I'm like, leave me alone. I want to be here. But, you know, it's like things like that. Um, group think can really push for that. It's Group think can hinder judgment-free zones very easily. It can crumble. Yeah. Creating a judgment-free zone very quickly. Yeah, and as we're starting to make these clubhouses that are multi-gendered, you know, like, it's not going or to Or non-binary. Help. Or non-binary. Yeah. Um, yeah, multi-gender doesn't make sense. Right? It doesn't. It's just um, anybody. It's people. Yeah. So like <laughs> it's these non-binary rooms, like once yeah. you start to like, you know, say all oh, men are trash, all oh, women are trash, like you will probably have the worst, less, least productive conversation ever. Yeah. Right? 
Um, and then so like if you can do it when it's segregated, when they all come together, which they will. Yeah. It's just it, a matter of time. It's also it needs to be. Yeah. Like it's a need to have. Like that's how you're prepared to have the most effective conversations. Yeah. yeah and I think a big thing, like I said, is judgment is judgment. And that's like a whole thing that you have to disassemble. Yeah. But at least when you bring everybody to one place, it can at least create a zone where you can try to increase levels of empathy, right? It's hard to like empathize with someone else if you're not in the, if you're not talking to them, yeah. right? I'm in these like South Asian female groups and I'm never going to see the other point of view if I'm in these groups. I always yeah. see one point of view. So at least bringing people together will show the other side, show that other people have struggled. It's a different struggle, but they're still struggling with the same shame and guilt, maybe for different reasons about sex, but they're still feeling shame and guilt in one way or form and how that comes together in a relationship. That makes sense. That's awesome. Like, you know, even everything that you said, it seems like one is that we're like on the precipice of like some like awesome things going down especially in the bedroom. Yeah. Um, and like, yeah, I'm excited for women and guys to really start talking about sex like together. Uh, I mean like in our own groups, but mm-hmm. when they do come together, which I think that we definitely should on Clubhouse, like, yeah. this podcast made me realize that we have to prioritize bringing everybody together. Um, sex talk clubhouses. Yeah. Or clubs. I don't know. Rooms. 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 Right. <laughs> Uh, but cool. Like, I mean, do you want to just wrap up? Yeah. I mean, just to kind of like recap the whole thing, um, essentially, you know, we know that there's shame and guilt around sex and now I'm so excited to see that people, it's like the average person wanting to talk about this and kind of build communities around shared like struggles or shared journeys and how they've overcome. Right. So that we can kind of help each other. Um, and I think the next big phase, the exciting phase too, is after we really work to destigmatize, is really having the fun exploratory dialogues on how do I, you know, I'm ha- like I'm not struggling with my sex life anymore, but how do I take it to the next level without um, hitting like ego or pride for the other person? And obviously, as we talked about, some of the dangers just to like, it's more of a cautionary tale. I'm not saying it's fully happening or it's not happening, but it's more of a cautionary tale of, Whenever we are going to have these conversations, there's always room for groupthink um, and people playing like victimhood and all of that. So it's very important that we bring everybody together and have open conversations so that we can build a level of empathy for other people mm-hmm. who have also been raised with shame and guilt, um, maybe for different reasons for sex, but still yeah. the same feelings that they're going through. Awesome. Um, yeah, but I think that's it unless you have any more questions. Uh, I just had like a fun question, yeah. like a bonus question sure. for people who are still listening in. Um, and this kind of applies directly to me. But let's say I'm on Clubhouse and I find a group of a room that's filled, filled with women mm-hmm. uh, trying to have this sex talk. And I get the signs of groupthink, mm-hmm. right? What would you suggest? Like, I want to... I want to kind of bring in a contrarian. I want to play devil's advocate, mm-hmm. right? I see that maybe this might lead to all men are trash. I don't want that conversation. Like, I yeah. want to defend who I am, mm-hmm. right? 100%. So what strategy would I have if I'm about to phase groupthink? You know, like, what can a guy do? Like, should I start a certain way? Should I 
of course we want to be open-minded because we want them to be open-minded yeah of course but what other things would you i think a big thing is i mean that's a whole topic on how to have these conversations and what to say but i think the first step is really knowing that like you need to speak up like we say that like kind of from the female empowerment side right and it works the other way is you do need to speak up because the people who really do want to grow and move forward like women and everyone who's having these female empowerment conversations it doesn't work on the back of men right like the ones who are really trying to move forward they know that it's not smart to do it on the back of men yeah right so i think a big part of that is you should be able to like just kind of take a pause and be like I think it's important also to calmly do it because yeah. people can get heated. Yeah. So if you're calm, other people will stay calm. Yeah, yeah. And it's, I think if, especially if you're in a group of like, like women who are talking about men the other way and you want to step up for that, yeah, be calm. Like yeah. that's number one, because you never want to seem like you're getting aggravated, right. Or like fighting. It's more you're also just bringing a point of view of, hey, let's just take a step back and let's also think about this point of view. Got it. So it's very calm. And it's, I think a big thing is not making statements. It's about asking questions to Mm. cause them to think. You never want to step in and be like, even if you're calm, you don't want to be like, hey, like as someone who identifies as like a man, like I'm like, you know, I don't think that you don't, you never want to be like, I don't think that what you're saying is true. Yeah. It's more like, hey, just curious, you know, with everything that you're saying, what what about, right? Because yeah. if you ask questions, yeah. you're not, they can't get on the defensive. They have to answer that question. Yeah. Where if you're making a statement, they can just be like, you suck. Why are you here? And if they <laughs> do get heated and you're completely calm, like they know that they'll make a fool of themselves and no one wants to do that. So you're right. That's like a great way to make sure the conversations aren't heated. Exactly. So it's definitely staying calm and asking questions where you're not pointedly saying that they're wrong. That's a big yeah. thing. Is you never want to be like you're wrong. Yeah. That's a big thing. I think a third thing is really power like I realized this. I did this a lot of times to play devil's advocate. Mm-hmm. I just told the story. Yeah. Like you don't have to say you're wrong. You don't have to make any confrontation. You're just like, hi, I'm Ravi. I just want to share a story if that's okay with you guys. And just share the story. That kind of pushes for the contrarian view. Yeah, and that's it. Yeah. And that's all. Awesome. Um, this is all great stuff. Uh, yeah, I mean, any message you want to say to the audience? Uh, no, again, again, everything's a cautionary tale. Take everything with a grain of salt mm-hmm. whenever you read or hear things. Um, but I think that's it. Thanks, everyone, and stay tuned for next episode.